Hey, y'all. Pretend we're football for the next hour. I'm your host, Obazer. Back this week for another year of Texas basketball under Mr. Chris Beard. I am joined alongside by Johnny Brashear and Timothy Preston. As always, it's great to be back. Great to be brought in back by the Budos Band. As you guys are listening to the tunes. We don't because I put it in on post. So we're just kind of grooving to nothing right now. But y'all, we we are back. Well, I'm back. You were back last week for some Texas basketball. We got the start of the season coming up in less than a week. We have Gonzaga. And the Big 12 is basically the only thing we have left to look at after uh, that Gonzaga game. So we're going to go ahead and take a look at that today. As well as the uh, Texas Lutheran scrimmage, we're going to tell you why uh, beating a... Well, they're going to tell me why beating a Texas Lutheran team is unimpressive as a D3 team. And having gone to a D3 school, I'll tell them why they are wrong and it is less impressive than that. So, on that note, guys, I want to know, did you miss me last week? No. Good. That's, that's, the, that's what I was hoping for. I sure did. I, I, your dulcet tones, your thoughtful demeanor, your incredible segues, your dynamite hair, uh, your facial hair—that's really coming through in a very clutch way. I mean, that's not just like impressive, but clutch. Like, who'd have thought you'd be this clutch this early? Um, dynamite stuff, Will. I, I, you love to see it. This is why I have Tim on the show. He is the hype man for me in this on this basically this entire network because the guys that fired Steve Sarkeesian or fire current coach, whatever. They they always are the guys who are tearing me down. We had then there was Johnny and I mean, between killing cats and the general nihilism, it's just. Then you have Tim and he's just nodding his head to to nothing and being a generally positive guy. You know it kind of it kind of. I have Johnny over here who's tired after birthday jams and general tiredness of life. And then there's Tim. Then there's Tim. I think the big key, you know, it's. It's got to be tough being a football podcaster these days around Texas. Uh, and really the last, I suppose, decade or so. Like, what a weird time to start a football podcast for the Longhorns. We we almost for sure need, you need to befriend some, like, Texas swimming and volleyball fans, Texas tennis fans, Texas golf fans. Like, do you have friends in your life of that stuff, too? Like, people that would talk about it? Is there a niche market out there for women's golf of the Texas Longhorn variety? I'm not sure there's a good, like dozen or so fans out there do you have time in your in your schedule your relatively free easy schedule oh, dude, to could, do another yeah, i could probably squeeze in another two or three podcasts i am a white male after all i mean podcasts are what i do <laughs> how many bob ross energy drinks would it take you to do a women's swimming and diving some bob ross uh, positive energy drinks by the boston america corp uh found at the rosedale market in austin texas why? I'm glad you asked, Tim, and future sponsor Boston America Corp, giving us these Boston, no, Bob Ross positive energy drinks. Uh, only one is suffice to give me the enough positive energy to drink, get through one of these podcasts, especially for the football ones. Incredible. Johnny just took his third hit of dexamethasone. Like, this, like, he is, and that, and he's still, like, this is as wired as he gets even after that. Like, like, Uma Thurman in, uh, in uh, what's that movie? What's the movie with the Tarantino movie where she hits her heart with it? Rudy. That's the one. Yeah, in Rudy, <laughs> she's there and she she's 
as that as Charles Dutton kicks her through the up through the uprights and and Sean Aston catches her in the stands after the field goal wins the game against uh, against Austin Reagan. Oh my gosh, Tim, an incredible film. Tim, you know what they say. If you build it, they will come. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's a classic Rudy quote right there. I've said that for ages. Incredible. Uh, Tim Curry in uh, Legend. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Anyways, guys, there's. I guess we could talk about some Texas football, uh, basketball. We are pretender football. So, you know, it's football season. And so we'll, we'll get into uh, Texas taking on a D3 Texas Lutheran because that is what people want to hear about. That is the excitement that is going on in this Texas basketball world. Johnny, what were your thoughts on Texas beating up on the D3 boys? Uh, it was a testament to Lowell Galindo that he did not scream one time during that, that entire broadcast. I, I think it... That might actually be the most damning sign of this upcoming Texas basketball season that Lowell Galindo watched them and did not scream in ecstasy once. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but, he was, yeah, he was surprisingly subdued. That's a, yeah. that's, that's a good call. I think he finally, he's finally reading the tweets and the comments on Reddit. I don't know. Um, he yeah. could also be warming up the vocal cords because it's an exhibition game and trying to, you know, trying to get into the swing of things. He really, you know, he didn't really have a, a, a good, I guess there was a Longhorn Network game for football. Was it Rice? So, you know, he hasn't had a lot of practice this year. Does he have a day job? Yeah, he's on the Longhorn Network. That That's like, that's his, that's yeah. his 24-7. That's his, okay. that's his thing. That's his whole okay. thing. Okay. Um, he, he gets... Paid well to be tiny next to very tall men. That's mm. that's his job. Um, I, I damn. I, mean, that I really like a bad job. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there are definitely worse jobs out there like mine. And I, I think, uh, I, I mean, if you had to spend a couple hours hanging out with Lance Blanks, there's worse ways to spend an evening. Um, I, I I I don't know how much excitement you can really get from. I, I, I honestly be, think... You could be hanging out with whoever the hell Craig Way hangs out with on the radio shows. What, Ed, Eddie Oren? Yeah. Eddie Oren. Incredible. Eddie Oren's great, especially if you need bar suggestions later. He's 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 awesome for that. And I do. What is the uh, the bar... <sighs> he knows. Eddie Oren already knows which one you're thinking of. Dry Ooh. Creek Bay going out of business. So, Eddie Oren shed a tear. Anyways, Texas Lutheran. Johnny, what were your thoughts on Texas Lutheran besides the, the local endo. My, my thought is that I wish they had gone out the next day or two days after to Gregory gym and, and found like the most competitive rec league game they had there and played them and seen if they had, if they would win by more or less than they did against Texas Lutheran. Cause I feel like the score probably would have been pretty close. I don't even know. Is Texas Lutheran good in D3? It doesn't matter. Like the, 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 the walk-ons for Texas are better than, than Texas Lutheran players. So, you know, like they went out there and at, towards the end and it was Tyson and four walk-ons and the walk-ons were still shitting on Texas Lutheran. Like <laughs> yeah, Tyson looked like a destroyer of worlds 
because he was clearly the best player on the court at that moment. Well, Johnny, so, I really think that speaks to the depth of the uh, team for the Longhorns. They, they really got a deep team this year, and you know, it just goes to show they played a really gritty, gritty team in Texas Lutheran, and uh, the, the the walkouts came out to play. Sure, Tim. <laughs> yeah, well said, Will. Uh, good stuff. Um, <laughs> I I'm actually going to take this a little bit more seriously than Johnny does, uh, which maybe is a change of. Uh, of responsibilities, perhaps, for our podcast. So I received a message um, last week from a listener. So thank you, listener. I'm not sure that I replied. So here's me replying that apparently I called uh, basically every player that we were talking about pretty smart. So apparently every every player I talked about is smart, and it would appear that I need they to They go to the expand. University of Texas, damn it. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> need to expand my vocabulary. Uh, however... Offensively, I actually think that kind of bore out. There was some validation for me with that, I, I felt like. And for for whatever it's worth, and I'm going to have very different takes on the offense and the defense, I was really impressed with the facilitation and passing offensively. I was not super-duper impressed with the offensive system, the sets, the player movements away from the ball. I thought that was fine. I actually thought the spacing was pretty good. But spacing, again, is kind of just as much about player awareness and, again, that basketball IQ that was there. And I, I you know, taking a whole lot away from a D3 opponent as we're as we're sort of making fun here. But that's true. Like, the whole idea is, like, how, how much can you really glean from that? And I don't know that you can glean much at all. But you can glean understanding the spacing. You can glean some of the ways that people were passing other people open. And if we go back to some of those years, four or five years ago, it it just felt like we were a team that we had a couple playmakers and that was it. Like we had Kerwin and Andrew and nobody else. And then we had Matt and Kerwin the year that Andrew was diagnosed and then kind of nobody else. And then we had, we were a little bit better with Matt and, and Kerwin and Courtney. And then last year when we had Court or um, Courtney and, and Matt and Andrew playing playing pretty well, we had three playmakers and it was actually... I guess objectively, I think our best season under Shaka, uh, other than of course in, in the in the big dance. But otherwise, I think it was it was quite a pretty pretty good year. Well, I think we maybe have like six or seven ball movers this year. You get the impression that all of Marcus and Courtney and Andrew and Devin and Timmy and Trey and then maybe even Brock can move the ball pretty well. And I thought the passing. And especially like the skips and reversals, passing people open on the wings. Uh, I thought the shot selection was good. It just it felt like this was an offensive team where, again, obviously the the opponent notwithstanding, it felt like a team that that as they get more and more comfortable playing with each other, and that ability as a facilitator, you know, all across the board, it just like oh, I'm I'm excited to watch these guys move the ball around, and hopefully if. If some of those set plays and the work inside that motion offense gets more and more crisp and the execution gets better, we're going to see even even better production from that. But I, there were some there were some points where it's like, oh man, we we offensively I think can um, not just like have a good free throw shooting night as we did and have a decent to okay three point shooting night, which I think we can be even better. But also that we're going to see some guys that can that can you know bring a pretty significant amount of skill to what we're doing i don't know i don't know how much we can glean from this five minutes later when he didn't even get into the defense 
<laughs> well, I'll, well, I'm, well, do you disagree? Did you feel like the passing was poor or that they, that they, the spacing was poor? I, I mean, I think we probably both agree the movement was not great. But they it, were it, playing against nobody, man. Like, uh-huh. it, here's here's what it looked like. If you ever watch somebody who's like extremely good at, I don't know, like Madden, and they go play their little brother who doesn't know what the hell's going on and can barely play the game, and they sit there and go. You know what? I'm just going to try and complete a bunch of slant routes today. See how good I can get at that. That's kind of what it looked like with Marcus Carr, where he's like, I don't have to score this half. I'm, I'm just I'm just <laughs> going to work on passing on these certain passes. Because it was, it's one, it's an exhibition. Two, the other team is terrible. So, like, it's not that I think they did anything, you know, extremely badly. Although it does seem like the happiest player on Texas Lutheran is whoever Devin Askew was guarding. <laughs> or jace or yeah, andrew but yeah yes. like there was if there was a dude who got to the rim for texas lutheran he was probably being escorted by Devin askew so other than that like there's i there's just not much to, to get from it what I, what i was looking for is clearly they're going to run some preset plays i want to see what kind of preset plays they're running see what they're you know because they're practicing against air almost so let's see what they do and i i was glad to see that they were doing some two man pick and pop with uh car or andrew or courtney and trey mitchell i wanted to see that like getting him out there where he fills a a spot that was previously occupied by a guard and and takes a a set three that's a good play i'm glad to see that i hope they continue to do that beyond that you know that it was a terrible team they played. It, it it will probably be the worst team they play all year. Although they do play Houston Baptist and Incarnate Word, so we'll see. But yeah, it it was fine. I'm surprised how many missed shots there were, especially from the three point range, that weren't Jace Fabris. Even Jace Fabris missed a few, but that was a lot of missed threes for a team of guys who are trying to prove themselves to the NBA, especially guys like Timmy Allen who are trying to show that they can hit the three-point. Yeah, but again, it's an exhibition against Texas Lutheran. I get that. No NBA scout is going to watch that tape. So it's basically like they're shooting against open air and they're still not hitting. Yeah, but it just doesn't matter. Right. Like if if they continue to miss those shots, it will be a problem for them and the team. We've already spent 10 minutes on this and it's 10 minutes too much, especially since they're not... Uh, the Washu Bears and from St. Louis, who are consistently in the Elite Eight every single year, D three Elite Eight. I mean, that's just a really, really great D three team right there. I, you know, I, I really can't think of a better and more consistent D three basketball program than the Washu Bears out of St. Louis, Missouri. That explains why Chris Beard didn't schedule them. Yeah, I mean, you know what? That's probably why they're just way too much uh, for Texas to handle this early on in the season. They Texas needs to really gel the team before they are able to take on the teams like the bears so we we got to talk about the defense real fast oh by i real forgot fast. i forgot i'm sorry i really <laughs> i really wanted to talk about washu real fast i mean i'm sorry like, <laughs> no you're good this uh, really is a washu pro- podcast right? honestly <laughs> so and here's here's where i feel like i needed to preface the offensive stuff before i got into this and johnny unsurprisingly came in with a kind of scathing not very kind take on my take which I, I, not nice but you know what you signed up for when you got on this podcast <laughs> uh, so I 
I didn't think the offensive sets were amazing. I came away from that exhibition game against a bad team thinking we're going to be fine. Now, flip both of those on their head, and that's sort of how I'm feeling right now about the defense. I guess I just don't know that you can look at Chris Beard's track record defensively and say, hey, what what are we going to get? What's going to happen here? Like he's He's kind of proved his worth as a defensive coach. However, even though we were playing a bad team, I'm actually kind of nervous about it because all of Jace, Andrew, and Devin, and even Marcus a little bit, really struggled to keep people in front of them defensively. And for all the things where Johnny's talking about, it's a D3 team, what are you going to do? And he's the answer is correct. If you look good against a D3 team, like whatever. But if you look bad against a D3 team, there's some issues. And on top of some of our perimeter players struggling to stay in front of the ball, that's also the kind of issues that we had with both Trey and Christian not being really defensively dynamic around the rim. So we saw like, you know, you, you, you know, the joke around people who maybe were Chris Beard detractors a little bit were like, you know, hey, oh, his, his defense is just charge hunting. Uh, I don't know that we got a single charge block call that went our way, maybe only one, but there were more charge block calls that went against us. And I think that was because a lot of, in a lot of situations, they were beating us to the spot. And they, you, when you get beat to the spot by D3 players, that question mark becomes like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> oh, no. How can you play the no middle defense when you can't stay in front of somebody? Now, Shaka got around that by saying, we're going to switch everything. And he had the horses to do it. When you have the athletes of Greg Brown and Jericho Sims and Kai Jones and even Royce Ham to, to an extent, like you can make some of those decisions. And so we were able to to make up for the fact that Andrew can't stay in front of people by not asking him to like, Hey, you play hard. And if you, you know, off of a screen or whatever, fine, then you go and and we'll, we'll switch. But how do we make some of those decisions when, when we have guards that just were allowing players of that caliber to get through what, you know, if I'm a team like Kansas, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're going to attack the paint every single time. I mean, you know, Gonzaga is going to look at that and be like, we have national footage of that game. We are going to destroy them in the middle of the paint. Like Nemhard's going to, anyways, it'll be interesting to see how, how some of our, especially our bigs can handle that type of like, I just got to figure an onslaught of, 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 of guys trying to get in the lane against yeah, us. I think there were the, the guards had issues. One, keeping guys out of the middle, which is a problem when you're running a no middle defense. And also, uh, they weren't dealing with multiple screens by the same screener well at all. Like uh, a, there was a, a point, I don't know when they started doing it exactly, but Texas Lutheran would set a screen, run through the screen, you know, run through the screen, but they wouldn't attack off it because they just pivot and go the other direction after the guy reset his, you know, the screen the other direction, and our, our guard just kept getting caught underneath or on a side, or and and that's. Um, that doesn't matter against Texas Lutheran, but if they don't fix that, that's going to matter against a lot of teams going forward. Again, we have spent now 20 minutes on a D3 team. Well, te- technically, and, there was uh, like five minutes on an energy drink and 15 on this. Oh, you're right. You know what? You're right. Let's spend more, five more minutes on this D3 team. How, how, how we, do we feel good about that? What about the special teams? We want to talk about that now? Was it? I don't know. There, what's the third phase we got to talk about? The fact that Texas Lutheran fans made up a third of the crowd to a... F- I was just going to say, they yeah, actually? Yeah. The new KU. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. they travel really well. Oh, my Lord. That's funny. Yeah. What you're talk- talking about that kind of reminds me 
I'm I'm still kind of getting into basketball mode here. I gotta get into football. I'm still in football mode, trying to get into basketball mode here. It kind of this all kind of reminds me of every team watching Texas Tech run the ball freely on Texas's defense and with their backup backup running back and being like, hmm, we have one of the best running backs in the nation. I think that's gonna work for us. That's like Gonzaga watching Texas Lutheran penetrate the middle of the no middle defense and being like, Hmm, I think, I think we can, we can work against this team. So we'll see if that's something that takes time to gel with a bunch of transfers and a new coach, or if that's going to be a problem going forward. Yeah, that's, that's well said. And I think that, 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 so where we'll have to figure out things over the next month is are the issues that we saw in this game, iron out issues where hey they just the staff needs time to kind of figure out with these guys or are we just this, nitpicking right a d3 game right or or is this indicative of some lack of ability like it, it could well be like i don't you know shaka never really asked after after andrew came away from his diagnosis and and his recovery he never asked andrew to be that kind of level defender we don't know a ton about marcus i i never watched him super duper closely defensively like i this is one of those weird things like i just don't know the answer because we're so unfamiliar with a lot of these guys i will i will say like a, a weird takeaway i i do i do wonder what will happen with beard if Avery Benson and Brock Cunningham become these guys that like I can rely on these two defensively, <laughs> do we do we see heavier minutes for those guys uh, in kind of a Rick Barnes yep. fashion? Yes, you will. God, uh, yes, yeah. So yeah, you I mean will. that's that's a question. Like I just you wonder about it. Please God, no. Anyways, let's go ahead and get past the non-con here and look forward into the Big Twelve. If you really want to understand how. We all feel about the non-conference. Listen to the last episode. Let's go ahead and take a look here at the Big 12. And let's start off. Yeah, let's go in. Let's go in this order. Let's start off with the Baptists. All right. Houston Baptist. How how do we feel about Texas taking on those those Baptists? Those Texas Baptists. Well, they will be the worst of the two Baptist teams we play this year. So there's that. There's another. There's another Baptist team. Well, Cal Cal Baptist as well. Oh yeah, sorry. There's three. Uh, Cal, yeah, there's three. You know what? Yeah. You're right. No, no. There's there's two. There's there's Houston and then there's Cal. So we got the Texas Baptist and we got the California Baptist. Yeah. I almost forgot. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Houston Houston Baptist is gonna suck. Uh, it it it's probably not going to tell us a much more than the exhibition did. It'll tell us a little more because they are at least D one athletes, technically. Uh, "Quote unquote." Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, by the legal definition, I guess yes, they're D one athletes. But um, Houston Baptist is is, is awful. Um, to, to put a point on it, Ken Palm has a program rating that goes back to 1997, which doesn't really help uh, Houston Baptist since they haven't been around that long. But out of 357 teams, uh, they are ranked number 348 in program history. Fun fact, not the worst team Texas is going to play on that list. That, uh, that That's going to be somebody else coming up later. Um, I, I'm assuming... Would it, would it be another religious school in Texas? Uh, no, actually, it would be Arkansas Pine Bluff. 
It's yeah, Pine Bluff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Pine Bluff. Arkansas oh. Pine Bluff is next to last in that. Uh, so Chris Beard probably called them first. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, Houston Baptist is... Hey, how about $400,000? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm just going to tell everyone we're playing an Arkansas team and hope they don't ask. So uh, there's a... Houston Baptist is probably going to try and get out and run. Texas is not because... If they didn't run against a D3 team, they're not going to run against a D1 team. Um, and Beard just doesn't run. That's just not his MO, even though he has a deep team full of guys who could run. He's not going to do it. Tim, what are you going to be watching for in this game going into Gonzaga? What is it that you're going to key on on this game? Well, the big thing for me will be rotations and personnel. So he started Timmy Allen at the four, which uh, admittedly I, I did not see coming. Well, I guess I should have been. It's not surprising given the fact that DeSue didn't play. But so rotation stuff will be interesting to see. It felt like Marcus Carr was very, as as Johnny said, deferential in that in that exhibition game. So what does that look like? Uh, but also, let let let's just say, kind of theoretically, that Texas has some um, a couple of bad stretches. Like they have a three or four minute bad stretch, or maybe even like a ninety second bad stretch. What do the what do the reactions look like from Beard? What does he do? Does he does he lean back on on Cunningham and Benson? Does he does fall he... to the court and cry? <laughs> right. I I you know I, I I do think that this Johnny's both you and Johnny are accurate in that I'm not sure that you can that you can actually take what I said you could take from that offensive output against. Texas Lutheran, but I, I do think some of the passing and facilitation was good. It's, it just looked good. It looked good. And and we can kind of shit on Texas Lutheran and, and the fact that they're not, you know, they at the, the, make that they're the, the tournament for D3. Right. But they're, they're, they're unlike at the, the level Wash St. St. Louis Bears, <laughs> might I add. For what it's worth. And I, without, I, I, I do take a little, a little exception with some of this. Like most of those guys, I'm guessing, were probably the best players at their high school for whatever it's worth. And I don't, you know, I obviously they, they, if you're a college athlete, whatever level, like you're, you're, you're probably quite good. Uh, obviously not high level D1 good, but, but still. They, they weren't even so low level anyone, D1 good. They weren't I know, D2 good. I know. Good. I hear you, my guy. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations. <laughs> you're the best dude at this 24 hour fitness. <laughs> It's yeah, you're you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So we we talked about the Baptist. Well, here I want to throw a really fun scenario in here, just just for us Texas fans in the room. What happens if they lose? You will hear me laughing from DFW. That's that's what you'll hear because that will be hilarious. I I mean, I don't know how you can react to that that situation any other way. Anytime a a top five, top ten team loses to a terrible team. It's funny, whether it's your team or not. So uh, I'm going to probably spend the rest of that evening going on like Oklahoma message boards and Texas Tech message boards just to watch the hilarity because they will have a field day with that if it happens. That That's going to be funny if it happens. That would actually be a more fun recap to write than them winning by 36 points or whatever. Because then you get to be creative and fun. Uh, I, I, okay. 
<laughs> where where I think Chris Beard's where his imprint will be on the team. If you look at his time at Tech, they just never lose those games. Partially because the teams are truly that bad. That's 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 the biggest part of it. Is that he's playing teams that are just atrocious. The other part is that his teams are kind of built to destroy those types of teams because they're going to play hard. They're going to pressure the ball really hard. They're going to play passing lanes. They're going to take high quality shots. They're you know they're going to be able to put teams of that level in some weird situations that they just can't that they just can't problem solve right the teams at that level just don't have the kind of athletes and the kind of playmakers to problem solve against a defense and a, and a team like we have so i just i i don't disagree that johnny would you know the the field day from anywhere uh around the sports world about that would be pretty crazy but one of the reasons you hire chris beard is because like his team's just probably will not lose to a team like that. And I'll watch them lose, I guess, but, but I, I just I just don't think that that'll happen. So now that's that's not to say that Chris Beard's teams are uh, incapable of, of losing big games or that they're going to be so awesome. But like when they play teams like that, they probably just won't look particularly bad because of their style of play. Now, how, how effective they can be against the best teams in the country, uh, we'll see. But, but I would be sh- super shocked if that happened. So... Let's get into the rest of the Big 12. We have nine teams. We have 30 minutes. Let's do three minutes per team. We'll start in alphabetical alphabetical order. Iowa State. Uh, this is now the second time I've started with Iowa State in a, on a show. So this is now an Iowa State podcast network. And Tim, you you being from Iowa, and Johnny, you being in a you know one of their their main tourists there, having been there once. I'm the tourist. More than capable of talking about Iowa State, y'all. Tell me about what we were supposed to feel about our our, our basketball team this year. Uh, they're probably gonna be bad. Um, mm. They they were probably going to struggle regardless this year, just because it's Otzelberger's first year, and they they're just turning over everything. Uh, it didn't get any better when Xavier Foster got dismissed from the team because he was probably going to be one of their better players. Um, and Blake Henson left the team. So it's it's sort of Tristan Inaruna, Tyrese Hunter, and a lot of other dudes. So they're, they're going to be f- fighting just to stay out of the Big 12 cellar this year. Maybe Otzelberger will do it long term, but this first year is definitely going to be rough. Yeah, and hard to kind of take a whole lot from his background at UNLV and say, wow, what a guy coming with a ton of momentum and someone that's able to kind of turn things around immediately. You know, we, we, we my high school, well, the team that I, the school that I teach at and coach at played Xavier Foster's team when he was a junior uh, at Oskaloosa. And our tallest player was six foot two. And he's a seven footer and we beat them. Uh, we were, you know, we were a fine team, but like even, even that, like that, that little weird data point um, was kind of strange. So it's not a, it's not a huge shot to people around, around the state that, that Foster's gone, even though his talent is undeniable. So I, yeah, I, I think that they're, you know, Hilton is such a crazy tough place to play. They really care about sports there. I think Otzelberger says the right thing. He's done a good job in his press conferences that I've watched for them. And I mean, the fans will always be there to cheer on. So, 
you never really know, but I would imagine they'll be they'll be pretty bad. They they should not they should not pose too big of a threat. Uh, Iowa State Cyclones are not looking great this year. Well, you know, we can be a Kansas podcast. That's it's pretty easy to be a Kansas fan these days. You know, with football team looking pretty good against Sooners and basketball team seems to be back on the rise. In fact, it seems like this basketball program is starting to get back into shape. Doesn't seem like we're bad. We're, you know, we're kind of we kind of hit our dark ages. You know, as Longhorn fans, we're pretty comfortable with that. Uh, what happened? Why? How did Kansas get out so quickly? Uh, well, they basically they they're they're just back on the recruiting game. That they, they don't. I I think they feel pretty confident that they're not going to see a whole lot from that IARP process uh, in terms of penalties, and I think they're communicating that plus doing very Kansas things and recruiting. So they're just, you know, they're back. They're back to the way they, they've been. They, their their downturn was fairly small, but it was a downturn and it's gone. Uh, they are probably the best team in the conference this year. I would consider them the favorite to win the, the conference um, between McCormick and Agbaji and Jalen Wilson and, you know, everybody else that they've got, not to mention Remy Martin coming in who – is probably the best guard in the in the conference this year, or he's very least in the conversation. I think he was a preseason player of the year, so um, he's an All American candidate, and and that was one of their only real question marks coming into this season. So you, know, you can't really bet against Bill Self at this point. I, I feel like if you're having to put down money right now, the safest bet is Kansas on the Big Twelve. Yeah, you could tell me that there's a version of the season where they win the championship, and I would not be surprised. I think it's probably them and Gonzaga and Villanova uh, right now that I think are the strongest teams in the country. So, um, yeah, they're they, Johnny's exactly right. They're they're for sure one of the top teams in the country. You know, I think right now it's between them and Villanova and Gonzaga as far as my personal picks, as far as who's going to be there at the end. Um, could a team like Texas be there as well in that kind of Final Four discussion? I, I hope so, but we'll see what happens. But, man, they are they are super talented and super deep up and down the lineup. They also have the positive of of having one of the better rim protectors in the conference in McCormick. That's the type of player that we're really missing. We don't have that kind of defensive stalwart in the back if we do have issues. Trey Mitchell and Christian Bishop are good players. I'm excited for DeSue coming in. But he's not like at that level, and then a player, you know, like Agbaji, what he brings as a shooter. Uh, Johnny talked about Remy Martin. They're just they're very good. And then some of the players they had last year, like a Dijuan Harris, who, who, um, you know, struggled some last year, but now he gets relegated to the bench, and so he's going to be a really uh, a veteran guy that they can bring in as a as a sixth or seventh man, and so that that dynamic will be big for them as well. So they will have to pay attention to the Jalen Wilson stuff, obviously, with the four game suspension that he has. Uh, how they how they kind of figure those things out. Is that going to be a year-long problem? Is this something they can nip in the bud um, early on here? We'll see, but I'm excited uh, to see Texas play them because that'll be some pretty good games, I think. But Kansas is, um, is, is a, I, th- I don't want to say a runaway favorite, but certainly a, a pretty clear favorite to, to, get back to, their, to get back to their perch on top there. Y'all, I know that they made it to the Elite Eight. I know he had a stretch where he won 10 of 8 in the Big 12. But how the fuck is Bruce Weber still employed? Like, how? I get it. I get those first two points. No, I understand. 
how the fuck is he still employed? I, I, my long-standing opinion is that Bruce Weber enjoys his sea being warm. That when he has too much success, he decides to tank his program for a couple of years because he needs, like, maybe he's just cold a lot. He might be cold-blooded by nature, but he really likes a warm seat. And he got a fairly warm seat last year, and it should be pretty hot this year. I, I don't, I don't know how he's not fired yet. I mean, I know because they had the Elite Eight run, which is just a built on smoke and mirrors, but they did it, and you know it helped that they had the most historic upset in the history of March Madness in their. Uh, the team they were supposed to match up against became the 16 seed instead of the one seed. Uh, so that helps. And then, um, yeah, it's they're just not very good. I don't think they're going to be very good this year either. Um, I, they don't have much on, on the team. Nigel Pack's good. Mark Smith is good. Uh, but other than that, he's, you know, he's plugging and playing what, whatever he can find. And I feel like, if we were sort of stacking the conference, Kansas State and Iowa State are in the cellar, and I don't think anyone else really joins them without some sort of serious injury. Um, they just, I, I feel like those two are going to be a lock for nine and 10, or as close as you can get to be being a lock in the preseason. I still think at this point, to answer your question, Will, there's, there's a plausible area which Kansas State brass would probably be like oh he's not very good he's had some success but we could do worse (laughs) like like i think the chance that kansas state could actually do worse is is there now at some point with what they've been through there's a there's a good look that's saying like hey change simply for the sake of change might be the play and this could well be the year probably will be the year but we'll see what happens so i otherwise it's it it did feel like he was really close to that, and then Dean Wade and um, I'm trying to think of the other guys that were there. They just they stepped up and played well, and he had some good progression with his players. and And I don't see that happening again. Uh, although I, you know, the last time that Kansas State got pretty good, I'm not sure that I saw it. So who knows if he'll if he'll surprise? I I doubt it. But uh, but yeah, as far as their players and how good they'll be, I I I think Texas is probably skilled enough pretty much everywhere that this that should not be a game that they lose hopefully because of uh what we're capable of offensively so we got kansas we got the kansas schools out of the way let's get to the oklahoma schools and starting with ou they brought in the uh you know there seems to be a lot of christians in basketball like a lot a lot of christians and christian schools in basketball because they brought in uh, Loyola Marymount's coach Porter Moser. Loyola Chicago. The defensive. De- Loyola. What did I say? St- it's Moser, by the way. This is my show, y'all. Stop <laughs> correcting me, okay? I know what I'm talking about. All right. Loyola Marymount. Peter Moser. Whatever his name is. Going to Oklahoma. <laughs> going to Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, hard-nosed defensive guy. And you know maybe maybe that's a basketball type of guy. What what is what are we expecting in in Norman this year in terms of basketball? Well, what I, the side I'm pretty confident in is the defensive side. In that Mosier has a this sort of hybrid system that's that's pretty cool. It's a it's a much 
it's it's not just one thing. It has some no middle in it. It has some interesting ways in which they uh, defend the shooters in the corner. It, he does some interesting things in terms of, you know, generally a no middle defense is aggressive with the help defense, but he does also he's he does sort of a no middle, but he doesn't aggressively help. It, it's just kind of interesting, and his his game plans are very specific and tailored to each opponent. So I I think. I feel like there's a good chance he's the best defensive mind in the conference. Um, if And if he's not, he's in the top two. So uh, I think Oklahoma got a really good defensive coach. What I'm not sure of is what his offense is going to look like. Uh, and I think that if you watch the Loyola Chicago games, they they just play at an extremely slow tempo. They don't get out and run. You know, it's going to be a significant adjustment for Oklahoma fans who are used to Lon Kruger and his willingness to get into the 80s and 90s where Mosier is pretty happy to win a game 54-51. So uh, I, I think they're going to be a talented team. I think they absolutely have the potential to get as high as maybe third or fourth in the conference, depending on how other teams do. Uh, but I also think they could end up seventh. Because I feel like four through seven is a big jumble, and I could see a lot of those teams, you know, I could see those those places being decided by one or two games. So uh, I, I think the the long term uh, the, the long term look for Oklahoma is probably pretty good. I just ha- the questions I have are on offense, and if he is going to recruit at a level that will match up with a a conference like the Big 12 or the SEC. That's going to be an adjustment for him. It will, and I think there's a decent decent chance that you look at this offensive team for Oklahoma and say, like, sometimes you talk about how a defense can keep you in the game if you're struggling, and I think their offense can kind of keep opponents in the game (laughs) because of how slow they play and because of how many good – how many good athletes there are on the Big 12. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Like there's there is a Princeton um oh I can't think of his name. Sorry. What was the what was the what was the Princeton coach? Long Pete something? I'm sorry. I can't think of his name. Anyways, whatever. The longtime Princeton coach. Like I'm I'm interested to see kind of how that if that style kind of is what he does. Now, I do think Mosier is smart enough that I wouldn't be shocked if he had some wrinkles and they play a little bit faster. The the level of athlete that you can get at Oklahoma is probably just a little bit different than at Loyola Chicago. But um but yeah, he's he's a terrific coach, um, but there are some big question marks about that. So like, for instance, I would say I'm more excited about Texas's offensive system than I would be if I were an Oklahoma fan, which is saying something for, for what's that for what that's worth. So I, I expect them to be decent because he can he can coach and they'll play hard and they're smart and they'll keep games close. But as Johnny said, they could be five or six baskets throughout the entire season away from being third or from being eighth. Or somewhere in that range, like it, 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 they'll their games will be kind of that close and that have that kind of level of um, of question marks as far as hey, if if they have a game where one or two shots go the wrong way, they could lose. Similarly to you know Texas a couple of years ago, where I want to say we were at like sixty one points a game in conference. Like I would not be shocked if Oklahoma is somewhere in that range. And when you're talking about something like that, like your your margin of error is so small if you're if you're in that range. So. Yeah, he's a good coach. Happy for them, but I think that that will be um, that will be a struggle until it's proven not to be. But are you really happy for them? Um, I actually, I th- I think Mosier 
it, when you hear him talk, I think he he really like one of the things I've been impressed no, with no, Beard about. Tim, I understand that you're a good guy, but like, <laughs> are you really happy for them? On to the next team from Oklahoma, Oklahoma State here. Given sort of a rough deal comparatively to you know, let's take a look at Kansas, LSU. You know, it's fucking horseshit. It's absolute horseshit. That's ridiculous. Go ahead and rant for a little bit on the NCAA. What is Oklahoma State going to be without Cade Cunningham? And of course, his very important coach brother. I I think his coach brother's still there. Uh, he's yeah. They, they gotta they gotta keep up appearances, especially now that they have no NCAA tournament to to to, to shoot for this year. Uh, yeah, it's it's fucked up what the NCAA did, which is not surprising because it's the NCAA, and invariably they take the worst possible path to any sort of resolution. Um, Oklahoma State becomes yet another signpost in the road that that uh, that tells everyone do not cooperate with the NCAA because they worked with them and they got fucked for it. Uh, meanwhile, Kansas, LSU, you name the other schools and they're, they're out there fighting and they may never see a, a serious consequence because this stuff just takes forever. So, uh, yeah, it sucks because Oklahoma State should be a pretty good team this year. I, I had them in the top half of the conference prior to this news. I could still see them finishing in the top half of the conference uh, I, I may just be enamored of their offensive depth. I, I like their offensive talent. They sort of, in some ways, kind of feel like the new Texas under Shaka in that they get these big-time athletes and they're a little bit raw and they try and develop them and they try and put some shooters around them and they play an aggressive style. So it's you know it's interesting that Oklahoma State is sort of zigging when everyone else is zagging in that most of the schools in the Big 12 are slower tempo elite defensive teams whereas Oklahoma State is still wanting to get out and run more and they're a little more open with their offense um and so consequently their games when they're really going are are a lot more interesting i i think between the fact that they've got uh, Bryce Thompson from Kansas. They have uh, Musa Cisse, whose name I'm probably butchering, from Memphis. Uh, they have Avery Anderson, who's going to be one of the better guards in the conference. The Boone brothers are still there. Uh, you know, Rondell Walker and Isaac Likely are still there. Like, they've got a good squad of guys. And um, I, I could see them finish as high as third. I could see them as low as seventh, just kind of depending on how things go, because I. I will be interested to see how guys or how teams like Oklahoma try to defend them, especially now that they don't just have like this Cade Cunningham dude that everybody has to focus on. It's there's a number of guys on that team who can who can do something. So I, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, no doubt. And I'll be interested to see as well, like what does the mindset look like for them? Because if they keep on playing hard and they don't kind of give up on the season, which you could you could not blame them if they did. But if they don't give up on the season, I certainly think that they could actually have a big role in which team plays or wins the conference. Not because I think Oklahoma State will win the conference, but because I think they are an obvious team that could like sneak up and beat one of those top teams. If it's Texas and Baylor and Kansas at the top, uh, how all three of those teams do against Oklahoma State. Like if one of those three teams wins at Oklahoma State, that might be the team that wins the conference, honestly, or at least those things could be. Uh, an interesting byproduct of what happens with them. But 
just what what a crazy weird situation for the players for the coaching staff you know a lot of these guys of course weren't even here were you know we're, we're still in high school when when these issues took place and and so you know you can't you just your heart kind of goes out for a lot of those guys you feel like Boynton is a guy that I think is pretty stand up and and wants to do the right thing and to have him face this after um after what he went through last year, trying to, as, as Johnny said, trying to kind of be there and be accountable to the NCAA, and then to have other schools be like, well, "Go fuck yourself," and him not get <laughs> penalized is sort of uh, the exact opposite of what you think maybe should happen. So, so I hope for their well, sake then that's that they can, what the NCAA is going to do. Uh, that yeah, for sure. For their sake, I hope that they that they play hard and that they understand that like, hey, even though we're not playing for national championship, we can still. We can still build something here, and Boynton is still, you know, pretty early in his tenure. And um, I, I do, I do like, I like how they play. Like Johnny says, I, I enjoy watching them play because they play fast. They have great athletes. They get after it defensively. They attack the glass hard. Um, you know, I just, I, there's a lot to like there. But you can't, you know, it would not be a shock to see them. You know, if they lose some big games early. <laughs> Let me see. When when does Texas play at Oklahoma State? Let me take a look at that real quick. So they play them on January eighth in Stillwater, and then they play them again at in Austin on the twenty second. Uh, yeah, I guess 22nd. I I kind I kind of wish that was February twenty second that we played uh, at uh, at Oklahoma State. But I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. So. Um, you know, those those are one of those games where you could see Texas kind of having to, to bring their A game, and then a month and a half later, maybe teams won't have to play quite so hard if if Oklahoma State's not uh, feeling like they're really playing for anything. So, but this this is a team that I think, as Johnny said, you know, may not make the tournament and could still be ranked in the top twenty five or at least receiving votes by the end of the year, which would be which would be something too. So let's get to the Christian team in Texas. I mean, the Christian team in the Big Twelve, uh, Texas Christian University. Let's get into the Horn Frogs. What can we expect from uh, the Horn Frogs in basketball? I kind of feel like the like TCU's in a little bit of a purgatory in that. That's what I was thinking as as I was saying and as I was trying to lead them in. I was like, where are they? They're just so they're not as bad as Iowa State and Kansas State, but I don't think they're as good as the teams four through seven. And I I kind of feel like there's a gap between four through seven. And then TCU, and then another gap, and Iowa State, Kansas State. Like they, they have. I, I I'm pretty sure they're going to score. I don't think they're going to have a problem with that. Between Jamie Dixon generally being a good offensive mind and Mike Miles being really good, uh, Micah Peavy's there. Francisca Farabello is still there. I think they're going to score. I am curious how they're going to rebound with Kevin Samuel gone. I'm curious if they're going to defend very well at all. There's probably going to be a lower level def- defensive team in the big 12 which is not you could still be a pretty good defensive team be a lower level defensive team in the big 12 but i just i feel like it's going to take them doing something well beyond what i expect and another team faltering for them to get into the sort of sixth or seventh place discussions so you know they just they kind of feel like a nit team to me maybe you know once in a blue moon, they get mentioned as a bubble team, but I just I, I don't I don't see it unless they really outperform what what I think they are. I don't believe disciples of Christ believe in purgatory. 
So I think you guys are both wrong. No, that's that's perfectly, you know, cool. Yeah. Uh, Texas Tech? Texas Tech, Texas Tech is going to be uh, a really interesting team to, to watch this year. Hold on. I, I want to really get into this, all right? Hold on. Let me let me intro them. I was I was wondering if Tim was done. No. Johnny, you're jumping Sorry. the gun here. This is no, this, this is classic Johnny here, Tim. I mean, man, <laughs> this, there's who am I working? Yeah, it's with so here, weird. Right? How I want to <laughs> talk about basketball. <laughs> Anyways, and I and I want to talk religion. Yeah, yeah so. like that's I mean that's looking at Texas schedule. That's what we should be talking about. But our relationship fine, to Jesus. We'll get. We'll, we'll no. We'll we'll get into fine, Johnny. We'll talk basketball. Um, there goes the, Johnny and Jesus again every time. Every, unreal. Every, uh, Texas Tech, y'all. So is I mean you know. The relationship between the Longhorns and the Red Raiders these days is, uh, you know, a little little rocky, to um, you know, to say the least. So I'm gonna be interested to see how they deal with the fact that Chris Beard is at Texas. It's it's gonna be one of those years where any any false step, any misstep by Chris Beard is gonna we're gonna hear it. You know, it's probably going to be maximized if they are doing well. If they are not, it's probably going to be a little, little quieted. So, Johnny, tell me about those guys out in West Texas. Yeah, I think, I think Mark Adams has put together a good squad. I think between who he's retained, that's not what I want to hear, Johnny. Yeah, well, you're used to me telling you things you don't want to hear. So, uh, I think that between who he's retained. Uh, like Terrence Shannon, for example, and who he has brought in in transfers in Kevin Obinor and Bryson Williams, who Texas wanted to get. Uh, I, I think they're going to be a really good squad. I think that Mark Adams is going to have a really good defensive team. Uh, we don't really know entirely what his offense is going to look like. Uh, I know he brought in a coach, uh, Peary, uh, who, who was the coach for, I want to say, Portland State. Uh, who's known for running a pretty high-tempo offense. So it'll be interesting to see if they actually try and get out and run. Um, there's not many people on this earth who know how to put together a no-middle defense like Mark Adams does. So I expect them to be a pretty stout defensive team. I, I am, I mean, I, I could see them, you know, again, this is sort of the team's fourth or seven for me. I, I could, there's a couple of them. I could legitimately see you know, eking their way into third if one of the top three teams falters for some reason. Well, maybe one of the non-Kansas teams falters. And so, you know, I, I think they're potentially a top 25 team, they, or at least in the periphery, if not in the top 25. I've seen them ranked in some places. And I think they're going to be a tough out for everybody, pretty much. Uh, that game in Lubbock is going to be a really, really intense game for sure. So I, I don't... I don't know. I don't know exactly where they're going to end up. If I had to guess, I would say top half of the conference, but I, I I have a hard time seeing them ending up seventh without some sort of injury problem. Yeah, good point. I, I'm. They were so dependent on McClung in some of those tough moments last year that losing a guy like that as a ball handler and facilitator and, and score, I could imagine that it will take them some time to figure out how they – develop an identity offensively even Bryson Williams is a nice player but he's not like a he's not a shooter from the outside at all so he's not like a stretch guy so how they how they build that offensive identity will be pretty key but 
they're good players, no doubt about it. And and certainly that's it's going to be a team of guys that will be very motivated. <laughs> I can imagine like like who Beard wanted to bring with him, how he decided like to do that, and then um, you know as Johnny said, like it's Adams is going to have them be ready to play defensively. So I don't. You know, with with almost all the teams this year, you know, do you take last year as a COVID year as any actual indication of what uh, of what is going to happen this season? Tough, tough to know for sure. But obviously, that's that Texas Tech team is they've got some athletes. I actually think Shannon has a chance to be if he if he plays really well, he could be like a a second team or even maybe borderline first team All Big Twelve guy because he's still someone that that just can kind of get it done on both ends of the floor. And I, I like what I see from him and. Uh, but yeah, if if a guy like Williams can come in and and adapt to this level of play, um, Johnny, remind me of the other guy's Obenor. name. I'm sorry, the other transfer. Yeah, Obenor. If he, if similarly, if he's able to kind of like come in and, and ingratiate himself to this team, uh, you know, they they could they could be a team that that makes some noise, and and certainly it'd be a surprise if they weren't in the con conversation for like you know, at at worst like a seven or eight seed come March, I think. So um, they'll be a tough out for anybody. But um, I still think that offensively, even if they even if their system is 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 solid, I don't know that they're going to be capable of having guys that can kind of put up points if they have to against a team like Kansas or Texas or Baylor. That this should probably outscore them if they have to. But um, but yeah, they'll, they'll be a solid team. And then we have the team that just, I mean, I don't know if they make sense in the Big Twelve. I guess now with Cincinnati they do, but West Virginia, the Mountaineers, those guys out east. What do we feel about Bob Huggins, the the stool man, and his team of Mountaineers? I never really know what to think about West Virginia coming into any season. And that's partly because Huggins modifies his teams pretty significantly based on who he brings in. And so I've... I mean, I, they're, they're sort of all over them. So what you're telling me is he's a good yes, coach. Yes, yes. That is, that is what I'm saying. And I think that, you know, if... If Deuce had come back, I would have them battling for top three team in in the conference. Um, without him, it's going to be on guys like Jalen Bridges and um, what's the other guy, uh, Sean McNeil, to really generate offense for them. And so they they're going to have good guys inside who can go get rebounds. That's you know they they never really have a lot of issues with rebounding. Uh, and if they can shoot from the outside with guys like Bridges and McNeil, if those those guys can be efficient from the outside, then they're going to be a pretty dangerous team. Um, but they're still a big question mark for me. So I, I have them rated a little lower just because a lot of it is TBD for me. But I, but I like some of the players they have. So they they could be in that sort of uh, you know group with Tech and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. You know, sort of in the middle, trying to figure out who's who. Yeah, Huggins has earned the benefit of the doubt from that standpoint. It's it's tough to it's tough to go into a season and say, oh well, they're not very good. Their roster doesn't make sense, or they just you know who who knows what they can bring after what they lost. But boy, it is, he's year after year put together solid teams and teams that compete. And um, you know he had that run with Javon Carter and and some of those guys that that I didn't see coming. I thought they were kind of, you know, after they had gotten that final four, they had taken that pretty big drop. And like, at some point Huggins is going <laughs> to either die of a heart attack on the court, or he's going to not have the teams that we think he's going to have. But, uh, but he just always puts it together. Like somehow he just, his teams end up figuring it out. And so 
I don't know how he's going to do it, but it would not uh, behoove me to go ahead and, and bet against him at this point, I don't think. I think that's it. Uh, oh, think it's definitely it. That's 100% it. That's all no the teams, right? That's, that, that's the Big 12? I mean, we can get... Let's, so, right? I mean, I'm ready to stop whenever you are. It's fine. Cool. We have Texas. Do we want to do Houston Baptist again? Does Does anybody other than Chris Beard... I mean, we could talk about Waco Baptist. I would probably do we, we want to get into the the fighting Davidians? We prob- or, probably uh, should. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we have to. I will defer to Jonathan. To Johnny. Sorry. To Johnny. You know what? Here. Here's what we'll do. Give me a fun fact about Scott Scott Drew, and we'll we'll call it. You know, I'll get. I'll I'll do y'all a solid tonight. I. You know, I'm still learning about the guy. He, he seems like. An interesting gentleman. He has had quite a life. Do you have any any interesting factoids? Uh, Scott Drew's hair implants come exclusively from critically endangered animals. Huh. That seems like it's morally reprehensible. It does, doesn't it? Huh. Interesting. I didn't know Scott Drew was that type of guy. He kills babies. It, hmm. Well, it's it's good to know. So Texas is in this in this sea of pretty good to mediocre basketball teams. Where should Texas fans expect this team to end up? Uh, what I would say is that Texas on paper has uh, the talent of a top three Big Twelve team. I don't know that they uh, they have the the possibility of winning the big 12 i don't think i think tim and i are on the same page that kansas is probably a fairly clear favorite but of the teams who could uh take over if kansas falters there's really only a couple and it's baylor and texas and i think baylor and texas are pretty close together uh in different ways they they have different strengths uh but they're both you know sort of on that i I'm I'm a little uncomfortable with Texas being ranked number five. I feel like top ten is fair, but five is is a little that's that's a little hype and and not necessarily based on you know actual data. They could get there, but I, I'm I'm not there yet. Um, I think what we're gonna w- watch to see is um, like Tim brought up. Uh, how is how well does that no middle defense run? How uh, cleanly do they uh, do they keep pe- or how clean do they keep the paint is maybe the way I'd put it um, how, how do they keep people out of the paint uh, when people get to the paint how do they disrupt their shot uh, how well do they defend the three-point line um, it, I put them third in the big 12 this year I could absolutely see them being second I I have a hard time imagining them being fourth or lower unless one of those teams in the middle just really shines in a way that I'm not seeing. Um, I, I did, they feel like a, like Texas fans should expect them to finish no worse than third and anything worse than third is going to be a disappointment this year. Yeah. Cosign. I guess I, I might say that I think Texas is maybe more likely to finish second than Baylor. Um, although Baylor's shooting is going to be, if you had to, pick one of the teams to say, hey, this team will shoot better from the outside. I think Baylor is certainly more likely to to be consistent from from deep than we are, and that's going to be an interesting 
way to follow the season. Um, but yeah, it's it 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 really feels like Kansas, and then the next tier, and then not everybody else, but but certainly like it'd, it'd be pretty surprising if Texas and Baylor weren't right there. So, uh, like we said, so some of those question mark games are going to be huge for us. Do we win at Texas Tech? Do we? Uh, win at Oklahoma State? Do we beat Kansas and Baylor at home? Because any of those games that you drop could be the difference between being 12 and 6 and, you know, 10 and 8 or 12 and 6 and 14 and 4. And that kind of thing can make a big difference, uh, both for Texas as they try to win the conference or get as close as they can, and certainly as they, you know, approach that first number one or sorry that that last number one seed contention or try to stay away from from being as low in the seeding as possible so um this is one of those years and one of those rosters where you would probably take a look at it and say all right well a a bad year would be like a six seed in the tournament like that would be almost a tragedy (laughs) given who we have on campus um but uh but you know that that's that's you know you can never really can be too sure so hopefully it's uh it, what Johnny and I think will happen does happen, and then beyond that, I guess we'll we'll see what the committee says. Call your shot right now. Where does Texas end up in March Madness, and how far do they make it? Call it now. Like I want to know what is a you know what what should Texas fans be expecting when it comes to March because we all know that is what matters. So here I am in November asking about. I should know I, this four four months from now, five months from now. I have a hard time seeing Texas being a one seed. Uh, not that I don't think they'll have a good season, but I think the non-conference schedule being as shit as it is, is going to make their resume enough weaker than other potential one seeds that they're going to get left out of that conversation unless they just blow through the big 12. Um, they're, or beat Gonzaga. Oh, yeah, that, and that's yeah. They got it. They, they have to beat Gonzaga and or Tennessee and blow through the Big Twelve, and then they'll start being in contention for that. Um, I, I don't really see that happening. So I, I mean, I think for me, this team getting below a three seed is going to be a disappointment. Um, mm-hmm. I think that a, a two or three seed feels like where they, you know, sort of the fat part of the bell curve for them. Maybe a four seed, just sort of depending on fluky stuff, but. Um, anything outside of protected seeds is going to be a disappointment. Yeah, somewhere in that 24 to 26 win range during the regular season and, and Big 12 conference tournament. And then uh, I'm just going to say, I'm going to say seed 16 just because I, I don't think you can, like, no matter what team you're talking about, anything beyond the sweet 16 is, is actually a, a quite huge accomplishment and sort of dependent upon opponents and circumstances who's healthy at the right time you know how well you're gelling or playing right at that moment but I do think this is a team that should have second week aspirate or second weekend aspirations for the big or for the big dance and um you know that's 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 saying something I I long for the days where that kind of uh where that kind of result is something that we can I mean not rely on but certainly hope is uh more common for sure than it's been for the last for 13 years yeah i I think um i think for sure if texas doesn't make the second weekend of the tournament it is absolutely a disappointment given what they have brought in and the expectations chris beard himself has uh helped stir up by coming here and talking up the team and how he's all about winning now and so you know he's he's setting these expectations and he has to live up to them (sighs) 
Well, I'm expecting a national championship. And if <laughs> Texas doesn't have a national championship by the end of this year, then I think Chris Beard is a failure. And, Johnny, you're right. I mean, you know, I think your hate, your uh, your utter hate for the Longhorns and specifically Chris Beard is just justified. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad that we, we had this talk. And also, I hate Tim. This is just because. Oh, I mean, you know, it's hard <sighs> not to. It's true. Oh, man. He's, Come on. he's just too good of a guy. He makes you feel bad. He's such a beta. <sighs> good, good thing he's on alpha or else, you know, he'd, he'd be pretty buggy. We, I uh, will tell the Johnny. entire listening. Oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. <sighs> All right, guys. I'm at that point where the positive energy drink is, is wearing off. I, you know, I might need another Bob Ross positive energy drink to get through editing this. But, uh,. You know what? For now, we're just, we're just going to call it. Uh, thank y'all for hanging out with us for the past hour. Pretend we were football. I've been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R, Mr. Johnny Brashear. Uh, besides Twitch, you know, putting together some sick jams. Yeah, some, some dope groovy beats. beats. Yeah. Um, dope, dope is one word. I'd yeah. say groovy. All right. I wouldn't call it groovy. I don't, I don't have that bone in my body. Um, Dude, you're the cat's pajamas. Come on. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bitter White Guy, Substack, Bitter White Guy, uh, Discord, Bitter White. It's, yeah, just look it up. Uh, outside of basically an, any alt right website, I'd look that username up and it's probably me. Uh, th- I go by completely different ones at the alt right website because, you know, you just got to keep your, got to keep things separate. Got to keep them on your toes. Yeah. Keep yeah. them on their toes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tim. I go by Tim Beam on those. Yeah. Tim, Mr. Tim Beam. Uh, where, you know, lead us in. Let us know where we can find you and uh, how we can find you. Awesome. On Twitter at Inside Texas Hoop, no S, and on InsideTexas.com. Amazing uh, community. We'd love to have you there. Come join us. And uh, give me an inspirational movie quote. Well, not a day goes by, I don't feel regret. And not because I'm in here because you think I should. I look back on myself, the way I was. Stupid kid who did that terrible crime. Wish I could talk sense to him. Tell him how things were. But I can't. That kid's long gone. This old man is all that's left. And I have to live with that. Rehabilitated? That's a bullshit word. So you just go on ahead and stamp that form there, Sonny. Stop wasting my damn time. Because truth is, I don't give a shit. On that note, thank y'all for joining us. We appreciate you guys, and especially you, Brittany M. and Cole C., uh, part of the Patreon for the Hornscast channel, supporting us, getting me uh, these beautiful Bob Ross positive energy drinks. And, uh... You know, supporting my bad habits and uh, of, of starting podcasts and uh, dealing with these two bozos. We really appreciate it. Go ahead and join us, us also on the Discord, the Hornscast Discord. Uh, great group of people. Really, really fun to be around Saturday. Um, so, yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you all next week. Hook them. Tim. To the dark side, Tim. To the dark side. All right. I see you.